feel a little bit surreal? Is it still sinking in? It just, I still can't quite believe what's taken place over the course of the last two weeks. I'm still buzzing. <laughs> just buzzing, <laughs> just smiling. Do you know what? After, after she, I say she, Emma Raducanu, after Emma won her semi-final, it was, it was one of those things where I could not stop thinking about it. All day, all night, I couldn't go to sleep. You know when I almost tried to think about other things because, you know, I have a life and <laughs> things going on as well at the time. But I try and think about other things and my brain would almost short circuit like right back to the fact that Emma's in the final, Emma's in the final and then the same since she won. Um, but it's just been so exciting. I've just had a big smile on my face. Every conversation, I'm just beaming. I cannot get enough of talking about it. What a moment, what a time to be involved in British tennis. You know, it's so similar to when Andy first, I mean, Andy won the US Open first. I know that that was obviously a huge moment, but when he won at Wimbledon, it was, it just felt like such a privilege. And okay, I know Andy to say hi to him and to have a catch up and have a conversation about life and kids and whatever, but not, I, I don't, you know, I'm not that close to him, but uh, still it just felt like a privilege. It was like, this is my sport. This is our moment. This is a really big deal for British tennis, something I'm so passionate about. And it's the same thing once again. I just can't believe it. And then, and then the next day, you know, you walk walk past the shops, you see the papers, the front pages, the back pages and her face all over. I just started laughing. I was just hysterically laughing because I was like, this has to, this is a joke. It's an absolute joke what she has achieved. It doesn't make any sense. It is unbelievable. And then today was the first day, I was telling you before we um, started recording, today was the first day that it started to sink in uh, because I saw pictures of her at the Met Gala looking fabulous and I just sort of thought, yeah, Emma's at the Met Gala. Fine. I didn't sort of start hysterically laughing going. But, but how did you not start hysterically laughing <laughs> seeing Emma Raducanu dressed top to toe in Chanel at the Met Gala? I mean, this, this continues this surreal theme for me. Suddenly I'm waking up this morning. There's Leila Fernandez at the Met Gala. There's Emma Raducanu on the. She was on the Chanel table at the Met Gala alongside there's Serena Williams. There. And isn't Naomi Osaka like the co-chair or something heavily involved with the Met Gala? It was. See, I found that I found that really surreal. I, it just, it sunk in that she's won, but then to wake up to those pictures brings back that surreal element to the whole thing. Yeah, I, I know. It's just excitement. I'm just so excited for her her life, her career, everything moving forward. It, it's just uh, it's just amazing. And to know the level of work that she's put in, it, you know, it seems like this has come out of nowhere, but it, it just it absolutely hasn't. Um, I mean, yeah, I just, I don't... I wouldn't have been surprised at sort of a fourth round run, maybe a quarter final. But when she won her quarter final, I was thinking, hold on, hold on a second. This is something extraordinarily special. I mean, she's an extraordinary person. I just, I just want to bathe in this feeling. I just feel like walking around London. I'm looking at people because everybody watched it. Absolutely everybody watched it. There was not a house that didn't have it on. And I, um, yeah, walking around, I just feel like I could talk to anyone. I just want to like, get on the bus and start talking to people about Emma. <laughs> but, but that's the thing. And everyone's saying Emma, not Emma Raducanu. The amount of people I've heard, I'll get messages from people saying, oh, wow, what about that from, from Emma? And there's been people reporting it, calling it Emma, not Emma Raducanu. She's, she's, she's just Emma now. And, and when people say Emma, we know which Emma, everyone, well, we do, but everyone knows, if you say Emma, everyone knows what Emma you're talking about I mean it's I think the big thing and we got a message from Grace on social media that said look if you guys do a whole pod on Emma 
I don't mind. That's not, and and we could do. And I'm sure we're going to get on to talking a little bit how how we can or Britishers can can capitalise on the, the success of success of Emma Raducanu. But I think the thing I've spent the most time doing from when she probably got to the semi-finals, even now, is trying to stress how this does not happen. Well, it's how never many happened. times? But but in terms of how just what a feat this is, how impossible this is. This doesn't happen. And I think in all the interviews, it would be people from other sports or whether it was a news outlet. It was just trying to emphasise it doesn't happen. You do not get someone that comes through qualifying and that and that wins the Grand Slam. As you say, it's never happened. It, it doesn't happen. I think that's the thing I've been trying to stress, how big an event, how big a thing and how big an achievement this is because it doesn't happen. It, it doesn't happen. It's never happened. And... It's just that lack of experience, isn't it? And if you took the Raducanu... I know Bibiana Schoofs, who played Raducanu in the first round of qualifying, said oh, she was a shoo-in. She was never going to lose any, any games, any sets or whatever, something like that. Um, I know she said that. However, you know, watching her first rounds, if you took Raducanu from round one and you picked her up, that level of tennis, and you put it against Leila Fernandez, um, she doesn't win for me. It was all about that just rapid improvement match by match by match you know I've the only thing I can sort of compare it to and it's still not really relevant um is you know when Serena's come back to the Australian Open after not playing for months and and the first round you know she she's just getting better and better but so rapidly but that's because she's um, she's got the muscle memory. She's just sort of going back into it and physically. She imp- and then by the end of it, she looks like a Grand Slam champion. And then at the, be- at the beginning, it's just about getting those matches and time on court. It was almost like that. It almost felt like, oh, she's done this before. She's been away and she's sort of just remembering how to do it because that's how quick it was. Not learning how to do it from scratch. Like That is what is so bonkers about it. Like the fact that she said oh, I just sort of started sliding on a hardcore. I didn't realise I could do that and just just needed to do it, really, I suppose, to, to move the way that she did and, and to win the matches. So she just started doing it. You know, players train for months to, to, to be able to move like that. A lot of players, a lot of women can't do it at all. So, I mean, how... It, it's, a, it's just it's ridiculous. It's just it's a joke. The whole thing's a joke. Now, we did a little bit of this on the pod last week when we were talking about this extraordinary run she was going on. But I think it's worth sort of going through it again. When did you first come across Emma Raducanu? And what were people... Yes, people can say, oh, we always knew this was going to happen. And maybe one day, but not how it's happened at the US Open. So what was it about? What has always stood out? Because she has been talked about as a, a huge talent within British tennis for a long, long time. But you've been part of on that near that journey with her so just give us a bit of the backstory about Emma Raducanu because there'll be those that are listening thinking she's the US Open champion but don't really know a little bit about the backstory of Emma Raducanu. Yeah so I mean I've known her I think since she was sort of nine or or ten like I mean I say nine could have been ten I don't think there's much 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 to quibble (laughs) over there to be honest um because I was coaching at the the centre where she started training and my brother started coaching her. So Andrew Richardson, who is her coach now, was training her at sort of nine, ten years old. When she finished with Andrew Richardson, she started coaching, being coached by my brother. Uh, and then I was at the centre and I'd just come off the tour. So I was always sort of, um, I suppose, asked for advice and, and that sort of thing. But, you know, at 11 years old, it's not so... 
relevant, I suppose, because, you know, the way if you could ideally map out a junior career, you learn how to hit tennis shots. So a lot of that is technical understanding. Then you learn how to construct points and win points. Then you learn how to win matches. Then you learn how to win tournaments. That's sort of the progression, I suppose, if you are saying ideally. Uh, So, you know, 11 years old, you're still very much in the learning shots phase. So that's very different to my expertise of, say, coming off having played professionally in being a top 200 player uh, but when she was a little bit older it was much more relevant so that's where I um, I sort of stepped up when she was about uh, 14 I, I think it was um, and uh, you know did uh, probably about three sessions I think it was two or three sessions a week uh, for a while um, and, uh, and got involved look I mean she's always been a phenomenal person I can't sit here and tell you I said she was going to win a Grand Slam or I thought she was going to win a Grand Slam. I can tell you quite truthfully that if somebody had told me this girl's going to win a Grand Slam, I I could have said there's absolutely no reason why not. She's got everything you need. And that happens quite rarely. Most of the time you go, I mean, (laughs) how is that going to happen? You know, even players who are incredibly talented, even the number one in the country, even players that are doing well ranking wise, you know, winning a Grand Slam is a different level. So, you know, there was always the element of that. And I remember a couple of sessions where, you know, she really started to get some areas in the game. And it was just sort of, I, I, I suppose, a realisation there was no ceiling to what she could achieve. It's just there was no ceiling. Um, you know, there's always been a bit of a question mark over injuries. And of course, you know, lots of athletes are incredibly talented and they have bad luck in a number of ways or whatever it is or they don't quite have the right setup at home the right support the right this the right that and that's fine and and it was about when she was 13 or 14 and uh I I would say that you know for a lot of players with a certain amount of talent you need everything to be right you need a little bit of luck in the draws you need to be healthy at the right times you need to be peaking at the right times all these things you can't really control to be honest you need the right coaches the right this the right that you need some money you need you know all these things um to be good but with her at about that age it was sort of I don't think she needs any of this to be good I think everything could go incredibly wrong and I think she would still doing really well in spite of all of it because she's just that good that she's just going to find a way um and really you know that's never it's never really changed. Uh, Pat Cash said during the final that that champions are good learners. And from everything we hear from everyone, and maybe this was the same at the age of 9, 10, 11, she's a learner. She's a sponge. We talk about young children, especially being sponges. But she seems to take things on board, whether it's learning from what happened at Wimbledon, the round of 16, and not being able to finish that match. Or I imagine other hurdles she's faced as she's been growing up. But she learns and then she turns it around. She turns it into a positive and she puts it into practice. Well, yeah. I mean, when she was sort of 9, 10, 11, I watched her play a lot of matches. Um, and I would say that in matches, she was sort of um yeah very impressive as in you know she wasn't throwing tantrums like other kids I mean she was clearly very competitive um but as we saw at the US Open did tend to just steamroll people (laughs) just be a lot better (laughs) so she was kind of pretty chilled at the other end of the court like "Hmm, yeah whatever but no even in some tight matches which tended to be when she was playing people significantly older than her but even in tight matches you know there was never any sort of anxiety that sort of thing so um yeah, it's uh, it's amazing, really, just to see Emma do what she's always done, but just at, at, at you know fifty, a hundred, a thousand levels above you know what 
saw from her before. And in terms of being a quick learner, yeah, I mean, it's phenomenal. As I say, I mean, it, you don't even need to hear what she was like when she was younger because you can see it just physically from round one of the US Open to the end of the US Open. She, that level of development will take players probably like players who are destined for the top could take a year on tour, maybe more, maybe a couple of years on tour. You think of the phenomenons that we've had, Ostapenko, Kenin, these players coming from being ranked fairly low in the sport. I mean, they're not sort of number two in the world when they win the Grand Slam and, and having that that breakthrough. You know, they've still spent that time on tour. They've learned that level from just being out there in all of those matches and then it's all just come together for that tournament. I mean... Emma learned on the fly. She learned as it was coming together and just sort of demand. I mean, you could see it even within a match. It was at the beginning of the match. I think we talked about this last time, like the beginning of the match, she would be, the, the opponent would sort of set the level apart from a couple of them where she just blitzed it. But the opponent would set the level and she went down. She was down a break to Benchit. She was down a break to Zhang in the uh, second round. Um, and then she sort of went, oh, right, this is the level. Oh, yeah, I can do that. I've never done it before, but I'm pretty sure I can do it and then just did it. So, you know, whatever is required of her, she uh, has been able to find. So that's why I feel like there's just no end. to the And that was fairly similar because when I was hitting with her when she was sort of um, 14, 13, yeah, about 13, 14, um, you know, I was still ranked sort of 200 at the time. Um, maybe 200, 300, you know, ranking slipping slowly because I'd stopped. It just sort of starts piling down. So I'm obviously playing at a decent level. And and again, just how it would overwhelm her at first, but for a very short space of time, not even a whole session. By the end of the session, she was just sort of like, okay, cool, you know, I can I can live with that. And it, it was just, it's just always been like that. It's just been about the exposure to the level. I mean, it was the same when she first went uh, and played professional tournaments. Um, you know, I th- I, I, do you know what? I haven't actually looked at her very, very first events. This is purely off of memory from a while ago, so I might be wrong. But I think when she went and played her first 15K, you know, she might have won a match or something, but she lost fairly early. And then the next one she played, she won it. It's just, it, it's just that sort of exposure to the level. Okay, I've got that. I can do that. And then just gets on and does it. God, that's frightening. That's, that's absolutely frightening to have that quality I mean it's and as you say we saw it through the years with Belinda Bencic I remember her comments afterwards she said whoa she said at first I was kind of knocked backwards that the ball I was getting from Bencic I'm just not used to that weight of shot but she figured it out and it got to the point where she'd go into a match and we were like I think she'll be okay I mean the fact that that we had such confidence in her on such a new stage for her and we got an email from Sean Sean thank you so much it's a really lovely long email covers loads of things he says I'm 39 been following tennis since the early 90s and I don't know if I've ever been so hyped up after a match hence the 4am email I think that's everyone said to me after the final how are you going to sleep how are you going to wind down how just how but he said one of the things he was really impressed by was her composure not just her composure on the court and figuring things out but doing the interviews you're standing in the middle of the Arthur Ashe and she's smiling and grinning she's then doing I don't know she's doing wow wow she's doing a German TV outlet she's on the set of ESPN she's doing all the bits she's in the main press room I mean she took absolutely everything in her stride yeah but again she's had the learning experience because she had Wimbledon when it comes to playing in those big uh, the big courts, big exposure courts, you know, we saw, uh, you know, she said 
you know, everything caught up with her from the whole week, all of the buzz, everything. And then it's almost, it's exactly the same thing, right? She's dealt with that. That's happened. She's now learned from it and that's never going to happen again. Like it's just, that's just how she operates. It's how she's always operating. You know, to say, I'm not, I'm not saying any information that people can't see from just watching her at the U S open. It has really, it's been just the perfect example as to what were you the most, what were you the most impressed by someone who knows her, who has worked with her, who speaks to a lot of people who have worked with her. What was the most impressive thing for you in that run? Oh, um, it's so difficult. I suppose it was the element of opponents crumbling that she was making yeah. these world class gold medalist Benchich, um, you know, top ten Maria Sakkari just sort of crumble and their attitude as well. I mean, Benchich is throwing a racket and Sakkari is furi- furious through the whole thing and. And it was just so amazing. Like it was one thing sort of the tennis and overwhelming them with the tennis, but just to see that pressure, it's almost like, um, you know, when you see like um, sprinters run like 100 metres or 200 metres, it's sort of mind-blowing, especially for somebody who's come from tennis where you're you're so trained to hit your top speed as quickly as you possibly can and you're sprinting five metres, eight metres maybe at max or two metres most of the time. And you watch them and they're like, 10 metres, 20 metres, 30 metres, they just keep getting quicker. How are you still getting quicker? You're not a car. Like, how does that, how is that possible? And it's almost the same for her. It's like, you feel like she's gone full throttle, but then she, she just goes again and they get like, it just keeps going forward. I mean, her level of being a front runner is just phenomenal. I just, yeah. I mean, that was, that was incredible. I mean, look, you can talk about it in terms of her game, for me, the standout is her level of returning, but I'm not surprised because I've seen how many hours she has put into returning. And I, and I actually, I haven't. Do you know what? I've seen a very, very small glimpse of the Radicanu journey. I haven't seen a lot of it for the last few years. Um, you know, but I know that from a young age, it, it's always been very obvious that in the women's game, the return is the most important shot. And uh, I think she was sort of like, yep, I'll, I'll, I'll need to work on that then. And then she was relentlessly working on it. And it's not a surprise. She's now going to be, for, I think, she carries on returning like that, the best returner in the world. I think what's interesting, and we talk about her as a role model and how well-rounded she is and a lot about the fact that she was studying alongside, which I think has been invaluable and she's she's keen to learn and know about other things, not just tennis, was Naomi Brody, who we were working with during the US Open, she mentioned, I think it was head of the quarterfinals, that she had been chatting with Emma via message about the, the cover she had done, the, the spread she had done for British Vogue and the, those amazing pictures. And they were chatting and Naomi said, no, nothing about tennis. We were just chatting. I, I like that side of things that there is. It, it seems to me that tennis is a massive part of her life, but it's not everything. And you feel like that's something that is something that is going to stand her in such good stead moving forwards. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, she's got everything sort of ready, hasn't she, to to have you know quite the extraordinary career. It already is. She can stop now. It's still unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine that shortest but most successful career ever. How long did you play amazing, on the tour for? It? Six weeks. <laughs> what? What you win? U.S. Open. <laughs> but. But you know, I you know, I, I don't like coming back. To, you know, normally I'm I'm really negative about these things, aren't I? I'm more of the realist. And but at the moment, I just sort of want to enjoy it so much. But you do have to say there are a lot of examples 
of players that do get things wrong after they have big victories like this. Now, I think Emma may be in a bit of a different camp in terms of the level that she's able to um, to, to bring and in terms of you know her and her situation. It, it doesn't feel like that, but you know it, it, it's it's not necessarily going to continue to always be smooth um and I'm sure and I know that she's very capable of 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 dealing with those things but you look at somebody like an Andrescu who um by her own admission got things wrong she way overplayed she has had serious injuries significant injuries and is now really trying to work her way back and you know what it is so hard to work your way back I think from a, a serious injury like that and I don't have any doubt in my mind that Andrescu will get back to threatening for hardcore grand slams however um, you know it's a massive chunk out of the career it's a big knock to the confidence and you sort of have to start all over again maybe adapt your game a bit those sorts of things and um, you know there and there are there are other examples as well where you know somebody like Osaka at the moment you know, we think so. She's so dominant. The level she's been able to play four Grand Slams, and she doesn't really want to play. She doesn't want to play anymore. So you know, it, nothing is guaranteed. Um, there is a chance that this is as good as it gets. But I tell you, what's pretty good, isn't it? <laughs> You'd take that, wouldn't you? <laughs> but Emma won't take that. She won't. She won't sell for that. This won't be as good as it gets. Um, yeah, it's 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 going to be a, it's going to be a fun ride. But you know, she's uh, she's got great support, a great network. I think whatever life throws at her, she will be able to to ride out. But being honest, there have been other players that you think would be in that situation and, and they, they have struggled. So, um, you know, as I say, it's, it's, it's not a given, um, you, we just gotta, gotta hope that, uh, that everything, uh, goes well. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market I mean, I know we're dealing with different personalities, but like we were talking about with Naomi Osaka last week or, or the week before, the thing about tennis, you can get some massive highs, but they can, it's not always going to be positive because at some point you're going to lose a match and you're going to get a question about why you lost the match and, and what's happened and, and you have to deal with that. And again, I think we're dealing with different personalities here and Emma Raducanu is very much like, no, this, I'm going to go on from here, I want to do this, I want to do that. You know, Pat Cash said, told an interesting story that when he won Wimbledon, he went into the locker room and he said, right, OK, let's go and win the US Open. And his team were like, what's wrong with you? Just enjoy Wimbledon. He said, no, no we're, off, we're off to win the US Open. He, he said, I, I, just, I just want to go and do that. And he said for so many years, he felt like he was the mad one wanting to just carry it on and, and keep that momentum going. And, and he said it's important that she enjoys this. It's absolutely important. As you said, this could be, probably not, but it could be as good as it gets. You want to enjoy it. You want it to, to soak in, but she's still got that drive. And he said that was for him, that, that drive of what's next. But I think, and maybe this is different, isn't it? Because it's gone outside of tennis that the expectation now for her, the bar, for the people that have only ever known Emma Raducanu at the US Open or possibly Wimbledon at the US Open, 
their expectations are stratospheric. There'll be people out there that assume that she will go to Australia and win the Australian Open. She might lose in the first round of the Australian Open. We don't know. And that's something that has to be kept in perspective. But then I guess that's when that's when that's going to be such an interesting time because there will be those who have only seen this level and this achievement from Emma Raducanu and assume that that is it going forward forevermore. And that is the unintended consequence of uh, transcending the sport, as Naomi yeah. Osaka is saying. You know, she gets asked sometimes in press conferences dumb questions by uh, journalists that are not from tennis; they're from outside because she's transcending the sport. They're, you know, like it's it's like at Wimbledon. Um, you know, in the years where there isn't a big football event in the odd years um normally uh you know you get football pundits coming up and asking questions and they don't know anything about about tennis and they only know from they only they're only there because it's Wimbledon and they're only, it, it's all about the pizzazz and the this and the status and everything else that goes with it it's not about the tennis and how you've been playing and your form and that sort of stuff it's part of the reason I think from well you know listening to what Naomi Osaka has been saying that, that it's been difficult because you, you do get asked, you know, pretty, pretty difficult questions a lot of the time. So, um, yeah, it, it comes with the territory. The people who will be watching you and supporting you are people from, uh, outside the sport who don't understand the sport. You know, they might only watch the slams. They might only watch Wimbledon. I mean, there's a huge amount of people in this country, um, in Britain who only watch Wimbledon. It's, you know, one of the biggest events in in the country throughout the year it's absolutely huge and and people do they'll just watch they'll just watch that so they'll just see emma at wimbledon they'll have seen in the news that she's won the us open and then they'll see her turn up at wimbledon uh, and as you say the expectations will be high and then if she doesn't win they'll go meh you know um and that's it and it's the difference isn't it I think I was, uh, I can't remember if I was saying this last week or not, you know, you just sort of talked so much <laughs> last week. Yeah, I can't believe we still got a voice. Um, but, you know, when, um, you know, Leila Fernandez, you know, massive shout out to her. She's absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, what a fantastic Huge. player. I mean, oh, just love her so much. I would have, if she was playing anybody else, I would have totally been supporting her to win. Yeah, but you know, I sorry, agree. Um, that, that's the way it goes. But um, and really harsh that she could beat the players she beat, and then play as well as she did in the final and still not win. <laughs> really uh, harsh. It's, it's an unbelievable run she had. I, I just hope that she can take those positives, and there are so many, and just progress. And uh, do I see her winning multiple Grand Slams? No, uh, and. Maybe I'm I'm not seeing something. I don't know. Do I see Emma running? Yes, and I would have said that before the final was played. Layla will win a Grand Slam. I think I she will. I hope so. I hope so. She's she's got the grit and she's got the fire, and I think it will take her a long they're way. So young though, because really, as long as they stay, if she gets up to the top five, top ten, and can sort, and she's playing really great tennis. She's definitely playing top ten level tennis. If she can get up there and stay there, then you, you, you're going to give yourself those opportunities. If she can yeah. be consistent, you think about a Halep, it took her a long time to break through and finally win that slam, but she was just there, just sort of knocking on the door. I mean, Emma's made it look ridiculously easy. <laughs> Poor Halep. It's like, it's like what? <laughs> this, it was toil for years to get there. It was heartbreak all over the place. I thought I was never going to win one. Well, we got a, a tweet on Five Live during the final coverage saying this isn't right. You know, Andy Murray put us through four years of pain and, and torture and suffering. You don't just pass your A-levels and go and rock up and win a Grand Slam. That That's not how it works yeah. in this country. I'm going to be a professional tennis player now. Thanks. <laughs> the other thing is, and we are still basking in what she's done, Leila Fernandez 
was more established on the tour and she had a very yes. good junior career winning Roland Garros, et cetera, et cetera. But it's now, it's that sort of, you'll get the, the second wave, second season syndrome when people will now be researching and trying to figure out Emma Raducanu. And, and I know they've done that a little bit more with, with, with Fernandez, but she did take her game to another level. But that's going to be interesting now because coaching teams are going to be trying to figure out how, how do we get the better of her. And yes, Raducanu adapts and learns, but it's going to be really interesting to see when she comes up against some of these players again, how they have learned and what they feel they can do to get the better of her. Because like to a lot of people watching this tournament who don't necessarily follow a lot of tennis, she wasn't unknown even to the players she was facing. Yeah, I mean, there'll be people in, in the main draw, a lot of people who actually had never heard of her. Uh, I mean, most players, I think, will will have known who who she was because she's uh, she has done very well and has definitely been an, an up and comer. And of course, what she did at Wimbledon. Uh, but before that, there'll be people who didn't know at all who she was. So it's amazing. But for me, the biggest thing I agree with you in terms of trying to break down the game. You get players come with different ideas, and it only takes one. If one player can tactically pick apart your game. Everybody sees that. Everybody watches that tape and tries to replicate the same thing. And it yeah. is something that we've seen uh, with others. I, I remember um, when Johanna Conter was beaten by Venus Williams. I think it was at Wimbledon. And the pace and depth to the forehand, it sudden it, it worked. Obviously, you have to be able to hit as hard as Venus does. Um, but then suddenly, you saw a lot of players really focusing on that area because it had worked and it had beaten her. Um, yeah, there are other things that go on. And of course, you know, Conta could do something to stop them from, from doing that in terms of her serve placement. But all of these returns are just getting pummeled into that. It's a very, very specific zone. And if you don't get it right, you're going to probably lose the point. So you, you have to play to such a high level. But it gives players something to cling on to. And I think that's part of the reason why we saw players crumble so much mentally because they had nothing to cling on to. There was no chink. There was no crack. There was nothing that they could even fathom doing that might impact Emma at all. And as soon as you think, ah, I've got something, even if you're not going to win the match, even if you're not going to get the break back, whatever it is, just to have something totally changes your mentality and your focus. It's just something. And that's where Djokovic has been so phenomenally successful in in destroying his opponents sort of mentally and Rafa on clay as well because there isn't anything to cling on to it just there isn't um you know you're just not getting games on the board it, it, it's it's far too difficult but you know for me the big difference comes when it's the reaction after winning and this is again something that Osaka's been talking about the relief coming in when she's winning not the joy because ultimately Leila Fernandez toughs out a win against Kerber in it was very very tight and everybody's going standing ovation round of applause this is unbelievable but if Osaka toughs out a win against Kerber who by the way multiple Grand Slam champion um, if she toughs out a tight win against Kerber everyone's going Whew, she nearly lost that yeah, it, yeah. It, 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 it's relief everybody's relieved you're relieved so you know that it's just it's a total change in mentality so and you know Emma will probably be experiencing that for the first time Wimbledon where you know coincidentally the uh, the pressure is going to be insane so you know and and players can deal with it maybe for a period of time as we've seen with Osaka, but it just sort of eats away at you because it's just draining because anything short of winning the slam is just, it's got an air of being 
of disappointment. You know, that, I know that's it's how crazy, it goes. isn't it? But it makes you really understand these top players, Serena. You know, the three guys, of course, at the top as well. I mean, it, how how ridiculous it is to have done what they've done. No, it, it it's absolutely unbelievable. But it, it seems she has a good team around her. Her parents, obviously, her dad. They seem to be looking after her. And and I guess the next few weeks is going to be months. Going to be very important in sort of keeping everything measured, keeping her feet on the ground, letting her enjoy it, getting on with the tennis. Um, it's it's going to be interesting to see how how are the last couple of weeks for you in terms of random messages from people wanting to speak to you about Emma or do articles or interviews did, did you find the phone was quite busy <laughs> yeah uh, I, I turned it off uh, I turned it off actually for most of yesterday to be honest um, is that why yeah. I couldn't get hold of you <laughs> yeah I mean yeah it, it's a lot I mean it's it's a combination of you know look I'm not part of her team as I say I don't know what her tactics were I, I don't know the ins and outs of what's happened over the last three years like I I, I don't you know um and I, I don't claim to but it's the combination of course of having a bit of a history with her and I'm in the media so everyone's got my number <laughs> basically yeah. Yes, yeah. basically it. That combination is a disaster, I can tell you. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, so it was, uh, yeah, it was difficult. Unfortunately, I, I couldn't get around to everything. I couldn't even respond to everything, to be honest. It was, it was quite, it was quite mad. But, you know, everybody wants to know the secret. Everybody wants to know, like, how do you produce a, a, a child like this to be as successful? I mean, it's such an absurd notion, isn't it? But, uh, yeah, that's what people want to know. Look, I was even. I don't know. I, I don't think anyone knows. I was even getting a fair few calls, and I've had nothing to do with her career at any level, at any stage. And people, they just. What I loved was the interest in tennis. It, it, it was crossing over into news. It was. It was going above Cristiano Ronaldo's return to Manchester United playing at Old Trafford. It was the thing that people wanted to talk about. There have been phone-ins about Emma. Again, not Emma Renicano, just phone-ins about Emma because everyone knows the Emma we're talking about. It's been on front pages. It's on back pages. It's a wonderful thing for tennis. And I, and I don't, maybe you don't have the answer. Maybe we don't know yet. But how how does British tennis best capitalize on Emma Raducanu's success because I guess with something and someone like yourself who still works heavily in in the grassroots not just on the commentary side you want this to be a stepping stone to get more not just young girls but young boys more children into tennis right yeah I think that you've got to probably capitalize I think on the young girls um, because it's a difficult sport to get girls into because it's individual. Um, also, when you're young, it's mixed, so you play with the boys. Uh, and in a lot of sports, you don't do that. Netball, hockey, you just have you know, girls yeah, just yeah. sort of play together. You don't get mixed in with boys. I mean, when I was playing, I remember my mini red squad, 16 of us was me and one other girl when I was six years old. Yeah, so, and the boys the same. There's there's one, uh, two girls and there's about 15 boys. Yeah, exactly. Whereas, you know, you, you don't get that so much. You know, sometimes you do if, if a girl is particularly good at football, they'll be in the boys group and but you've sort of you earn that spot. But in terms of entry level, um, you know, the vast majority of coaches are male, that is also quite a, a difficult thing for for girls. And um, you know, I know actually, you know, you know, friends of mine whose kids uh you know, play tennis sort of like six years old and they want to be in the female coaches group, even though it's not as strong as the male coaches group. They want to be in that one. And it's it's just, it's that's how it goes. And I remember I, I started taking mini red 
um, when I was working at Bromley Tennis Centre. And it's, I started off the term, I had 16 players and I had one girl. And by the end of the year, the, the sort of calendar, the, the end of the year of, um, of doing it, we were about 50-50. They well, just sort okay. of navigate, they just sort of are attracted there and they just come over from other clubs. And it was nothing to do with, you know, level or anything like that. I mean, it was, it was one of the best, um, best groups around, but, um, you know, they, you know, that it's just how it, it works, you know, because, you know, they shift things around and, um, it, it just happened naturally. You know, I didn't do anything differently to whether I was coaching boys or girls, but that is a big, big part of it. So, um, yeah, I think that's uh, that's huge. I know, you know, of course, Judy Murray has her hit, Miss Hits program that she's done with the LTA. Hey, I qualified, you know, didn't I? Stages. I got my You're certificate during coach. There we of go. <laughs> yeah, which is which is fantastic. It's about you know, I think right now in terms of capitalising with Emma, there 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 are two things. You know, one is about getting the girls into the sport, but it doesn't matter because even you know long term it, it won't matter if you don't address sort of the the pathway because even if you get lots of girls in at the the, the bottom end and they're coached by women and they're all girls groups and it's miss hits which is you know a little bit more palatable for girls i suppose to for some girls for some girls you know for me you know i i sort of just preferred piling in with the boys but that was a sort of player i a person i was for some girls um you know that might get more players in the sport but at some point it sort of, it just, you know, post mishits, it just sort of goes back to how it was. I think after that yeah. in, in the, uh, in the pathway is in, you know, boys and girls compete together until, um, probably, yeah, under tens type thing. You're, you're, you're all, you're all bunched in together. Um, and, uh, yeah. And as I say, you know, you get older, you've got more male coaches and, and all this sort of stuff. So yeah, there's a lot, a lot, a lot of ways they can, uh, they can look at it but it's great isn't it seeing all the social media posts of all or like here's my little girl playing tennis and you know drawing pictures of emma and you know she's going to be such a huge idol and i couldn't be more delighted that it's emma because she is such a fantastic person like she's great she's absolutely brilliant um so nice um so respectful and uh, she's exactly the sort of idol you want to be so i'm just delighted that it's uh somebody like her that is in this position and once that had happened and she was doing the 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 shoot with the trophy into the, the wee small hours we woke up the next day and there were still more people to speak to and try and explain how this happened and we don't know how this happened because it doesn't happen and it did happen there was a men's final and firstly congratulations on changing your prediction to hey. the right <laughs> to the right winner of the US Open 2021 i mean do you know do you know what for a split second I was so wrapped up in the Emma stuff do you remember I texted you and I was like great work this week she because I'd been listening all week and you're like well there's still a men's final and just for a moment I totally forgot that I, there was I think, still another match I think everyone did you, you wake up I next just morning just like oh god yeah and you're so oh. exhausted and you're thinking wow there's history on the line tonight this is not just a, a random final. There is history on the line tonight. There's a there's a fella going for his first. There's another fella going for something that hasn't been done since Rod Laver in what 1969, and and also trying to get number 21. I mean, but trying to bring yourself back up after what happened with Emma Raducanu was absolutely incredible. But you, in the last part, I gave you the option to move from Djokovic to Medvedev, and you took it. You took Medvedev took to be a champion. 
I took it. Yeah, I didn't think he was yeah. going to win in straight sets, though. Boy, a bit again. And I don't. I'm not trying to be disrespectful to the men's final by th- saying that I forgot it was even happening um, at all. I mean, it was f- what an extraordinary achievement for Medvedev. We always knew he was going to win Grand Slams, and it sort of made sense that US was the first one that he would do it at. And he was brilliant, brilliant through the tournament. He was brilliant all summer. He only lost on hard when it was just ridiculously hot, or he crashed into a camera. Uh, you know, for me, he was the, the the best player on hard all summer. I mean, you know, okay, Djokovic only played Tokyo, so he didn't didn't play that much. But what an amazing achievement! And to see Djokovic as emotional as he was. Uh, I think was also quite a nice part as well to see how affected he was by the crowd and, and the situation and the relief for him that it was over again. You know, <laughs> there's nothing like signing multi-million dollar deals or going for history to to ramp up the pressure, and you could see the toll that it had been taking on him. Oh, it's it was um, end yeah. of that ninth game of the third set when he'd held serve and the crowd were on their feet cheering his name. And he just broke down uh, the pictures, the, the emotion, the tears, absolutely heartbreaking for him. Wasn't I mean, it? Absolutely heartbreaking. And it just at that moment, you thought, wow. It, and, and you'd sensed that he hadn't really wanted to talk about it in the build up, the history. He said, and he'd referenced Serena Williams and speaking to her when she was going for it and said, I just, you know, the, the expectation, everything that happened in Tokyo, the way it went spectacularly wrong in Tokyo. He then took time out. He then came back and, and all the history and the expectation. And you have to add in, I know he's Novak Djokovic and how fit he is, but the extra five and a half hours. I mean, Daniel Medvedev should be giving Sasha Zarev a slice of his $2.5 million. Yeah, Fif- he won't. 52 <laughs> rallies between Zverev and Djokovic, nine shots or over. I don't get how fit you are. I don't get how incredible or elastic you are. That is going to take its toll. And when you add to the fact it hadn't been smooth sailing for Djokovic up to that point, I mean, he came into that final against and effectively fresh as a Daisy Medvedev who dropped just the one set. And Medvedev, look, he was serving incredibly well. He was playing, but... Oh, but that emotion from Djokovic. I mean, you know, we've talked about this. So I can go backwards and forwards on Djokovic, not as a player, but some of the off-court stuff and some of the stuff that's said. But at that moment, you just your heart went out to him because the guy is an incredible, incredible champion. I have no doubt that he will get 21 and possibly 22, 23, 24. But at that moment, everything, and as you touched on there, when he said it was relief, it was relief, it was over. It, it shouldn't feel like that. But for him, with everything that had gone on, it was just relief that the pressure was off and, and the match was finished. I mean, it was, oh, that was, I was really emotional seeing him like that. Oh, well, okay. Well, it seems like Naomi's, well, battery's died. So wasn't fully prepared for our pod this week. We knew it was going to be a long one, but the batteries have gone. So as I was talking about Novak Djokovic and, and everything, the emotion, nothing. Just the batteries died. So that brings to an end. There were so many more things I wanted to talk about, but that brings to an end this week's podcast. (laughs) We will be back with fresh batteries next week, keeping an eye on everything that's going on. So from me, also from Naomi, because she's waving at me, she can see me. So she's waving and saying goodbye, and we'll see you next week. Bye.